0: InfoTrack continues. The Internet has transformed life for countless millions of people worldwide. But has it come with a cost?
1: InfoTrack's Chris Whitting is here with a thought-provoking interview that may change the way you look at the time you spend online. Chris? Thanks, Roy. Our next guest says, all that time we spend online may be impacting our ability to read and think objectively and deeply, in effect, changing the way our brains operate. To learn more, let's welcome Nicholas Carr to InfoTrack. You've written a book titled The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains. And in the first chapter, you point out that as a writer, Google and the web have been huge time savers and information sources for you. But you say all the web use seems to have impacted your ability to concentrate deeply. Tell us more about that.
0: Well, a couple of years ago, I began to notice that I was having trouble concentrating, and I could particularly feel that when I'd sit down to, for instance, read a book or a long article. And, you know, reading, immersing myself in a book is something that always felt natural to me throughout my life, and all of a sudden... When I'd sit down to do that or sit down to concentrate kind of on anything for a long period of time, I found my mind wanting to behave the way it behaves when I'm looking in a computer or into a smartphone screen. It wanted to not stay focused, but rather jump around from bit of information to bit of information, check email, and do all the things we do when we're connected to the net. And I started to make that connection that all the time I was spending online was really influencing in some deep way the way I thought, the way my mind worked.
1: Isn't it possible though that the pace of life is simply increasing as it seems to every decade and the increased tempo of life is what you're experiencing?
0: Well I think it's absolutely true that the pace of life is increasing and we are inundated with all the more distractions and interruptions in our day-to-day life but What I've noticed about the web is that it amplifies or magnifies that effect because suddenly, particularly when we're carrying around a BlackBerry or an iPhone or a Netbook computer or something, we get not only all the distractions and interruptions that we struggle with anyway, but we also get this incredible stream of new interruptions, whether it's emails or Facebook updates or websites and so forth. So it's always been a challenge for us as human beings to concentrate and to filter out distractions and interruptions. Unfortunately, we're so inundated now, thanks to our technologies with interruptions and distractions, that it's becoming harder than ever, and this is sapping away, I think, our concentration, our ability to focus, and as a result, all the kinds of thinking like contemplation and reflection and introspection that really require an attentive mind.
1: Nicholas, I'm sure some research has been done into this area to see how the brain may be affected. What can you tell us about that?
0: Well, one thing we know today is that our brains, even when we're adults, are always adapting to circumstances. The connections between our brain cells, our neurons, are strengthening or weakening depending on our habits of mind. And there have been a lot of studies that show that the kind of characteristics of the Internet as a information technology, things like hypertext, which give us the links that let us jump from page to page, multitasking, interruptions, all of these things can have the effect of dividing our attention and keeping us in this perpetual state of distractedness. And so since we know that the brain adapts so readily, What we can infer is that we're training our brains to be scattered surfers and scanners and browsers, but we're neglecting the calmer and quieter modes of thinking that require deep focus.
1: In your book, you tell a story about I guess in the early days of the internet at I believe it's at Xerox, people are talking about email and somebody a scientist is very angry and says, "Who would want to be interrupted by email when you're trying to work?" Of course, those times have changed a little bit, I guess since then.
0: They've changed radically, and that was back, I think in the 70s when the folks at Xerox were first introducing Windows operating systems that allows you to multitask and keep lots of documents open, lots of programs running at once. What we've found since then is that it's become so natural to us to juggle lots of things that we no longer even think about all the distractions it's causing. And so one study I look at in the book shows that the average office worker today with access to a computer checks email, glances at their email inbox around 30 times an hour. And when you think about that kind of behavior and then add in all the other things we're doing, you know, all the various alerts and Twitter tweets and Facebook updates and so forth, you realize that we're shifting our focus every few seconds almost throughout the entire day. And on the one hand, that's great. I mean, we all like to get new information and get messages and feel connected, but there is a cost here, and the cost is those deeper modes of thinking that often get lost in the shuffle.
1: Our guest is Nicholas Carr, who is the author of The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains. And Nicholas, I guess... All of this sort of reminds me of fast food. Americans love fast food, but it comes at a cost, a health cost. So do you suggest that people discipline themselves to spend less time online, sort of like a dieter who cuts back on fast food?
0: I do. I think up until now, all of us have enjoyed the great benefits of the web for years now, but we haven't focused on the cost. We haven't focused on what we're losing, what our kids are losing, by being perpetually distracted. So I think the only way to address the issue is to back away a bit from our online lives, to be more disciplined in how we use these gadgets, and equally important, to practice some more attentive modes of thought, whether it's sitting down with a book or doing anything that requires very focused attention. And that way you can maintain the balance in your mind among these different important ways of thinking.
1: However, it seems to me that everybody's different, and some people's mode of work and and thinking might lend itself to the way the Internet works. And maybe they're more efficient and more effective that way.
0: I think it's absolutely right that different people have different minds, different brains, and some of us love being constantly distracted and constantly juggling things, and others do better when we focus. Having said that, though, there are some troubling recent scientific studies about multitasking that show that the more we multitask, the more we juggle different jobs and juggle bits of information, the less adept we become at multitasking. So there's this weird phenomenon that, you know, we think we're getting better at multitasking as we juggle lots of things. But in fact, the scientific evidence shows that we become less efficient at switching between tasks and we become less able to distinguish important information from trivia. So even those people who think that they're getting smarter as they juggle all sorts of things all day, they may actually be kidding themselves.
1: Have you found significant differences between people of different ages, different age groups, or perhaps male versus female in terms of these trends?
0: I haven't. In fact, one of the surprises of my research was that a lot of the thinking that divides the world into two generations, the kind of net generation who's been brought up with the technology, and all the rest of us, that's actually not entirely correct. The web as we use it has similar effects on the brains and the thinking of middle-aged people as it does on teenagers. So we can't just assume that because we're older we're not going to fall into the same traps in the same narrowness of thinking. Having said that though, it's certainly true that the youngest generation who's been brought up on this technology, and related technologies from a very young age, face the biggest challenge in maintaining their ability to think in very attentive focused ways because unfortunately a lot of them simply aren't being given the opportunity to focus their attention and to back away from the steady flow of information to really exercise the quieter parts of their brains.
1: Looking ahead as things evolve and continue to change, what do you foresee in the future if people don't modify their behavior?
0: I think that there are some very important aspects to the human brain that only happen when we pay close attention to something. And there are studies that show that the depth of our conceptual thinking, the depth of our critical thinking, and even some aspects of creativity really require deep focus on one kind of line of thought or one argument or one story or whatever for an extended period of time. So if we continue down the path we're on toward this kind of perpetual distractedness, we risk losing some of the richest features of our minds, some of that conceptual and critical thinking. On the other hand, I think there are benefits to being bombarded by information, and there is a certain type of creativity and innovativeness that is probably helped by being in constant contact with all sorts of people. So once again, it comes down to balance. And, you know, I fear that if all we pay attention to are the benefits we get from being online all the time, we're going to never even notice that we're losing this kind of very rich conceptual and critical thinking that depends on our ability to pay attention.
1: The book is The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains, and the author, Nicholas Carr, and he has a website at The Book. theshallowsbook.com. Nicholas, we want to thank you so much for joining us on InfoTrack.
0: Thanks. My pleasure.
1: And for InfoTrack, I'm Chris Whitting. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.